Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello, welcome to the Curator Podcast. This is episode 12. Hi, hello, welcome once again, dear listener, to the Curator Podcast. I am your host, Mark Fraser, and this is episode 12. Just want to say thanks if you checked out the last podcast with Ewan Morrison. One of the themes of that podcast was the positivity culture and how we're all sort of afraid to have different opinions and say critical things. That kind of carried over into this week's podcast. I caught up with Zoli from the Orange County melodic hardcore band Ignite. I've been a fan of Ignite for a long time. I remember coming across their last album, Our Darkest Days, way back when it came out in 2006 and immediately I fell in love with it. At the time I was still really big into Rise Against and when I heard Ignite I, I just kind of saw them as a heavier, faster version of Rise Against. A lot of the sentiment and the politically and socially aware lyrics that Zoli writes really resonated with me at the time, and still do to a large extent today. So when that was combined with the passion that you can hear really in his voice and in the band's music, there was really no way the punk in me could could resist that sound. But a lot has happened since 2006, and they're releasing their latest album, which is the follow-up to Our Darkest Days this year. Since then, Zoli has sung for Pennywise, and in 2012, they released an album called All or Nothing. He also went through a pretty horrific back injury, but he's better now, and he's also done a whole bunch of environmental and conservation work, both in California and back in his birthplace in Hungary. He's involved quite actively with the Sea Shepherds, and he also runs a charity with his brother called the Pelican Rescue Team. So by all accounts he's a pretty environmentally aware guy and he's also, as you'll find out in the interview, quite an intense guy. He speaks quite passionately about the things he believes in and the way that politics has permeated every aspect of his life is, I think, quite fascinating. And in the interview you get quite a good sense of that. I'm pretty glad he took the time to talk to me. It was quite daunting to talk to someone who I've admired for quite a long time. After we finished the interview, we went for a little jaunt around Glasgow and it was kind of surreal to be in company with a guy that I've looked up to for a while, but it was also pretty fucking cool. Ultimately, it's those kind of weird, those kind of surreal moments that make this podcast worthwhile. Spending some time in the company of someone that whose art you place value in, but also getting to do a little bit of 
about them as people and then also giving you something in the form of a conversation that's hopefully as inspiring to you as it is to me. So yeah, I'm going to open this interview with a track which is about Zoli's Hungarian roots and having to travel from America to Hungary back and forth again with his family. This song is taken from the album of the same name and it's called A Place Called Home. So, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing today? I'm about wrung out after work, but, you know, that's the nature of the business. Uh, so, how have you been feeling generally? I know you were uh, sort of hurt and sick for a while. And are you doing better now? Yeah, I might, I might, you know, I did a, when I was 19, I did a Jackie Chan movie and I broke my back. 
But when I was 19, I was Superman. I didn't even feel it. I felt it because the next day, I felt, look, my back swelled up like a half of a cantaloupe. It's a big bump on my back. And I went to the doctors like a, a year later. They said, you, you have a crack down your spine. And so I didn't really pay attention. And so what I did was um, I just, you know, went through it. And I got into Pennywise and I was doing stage dives every night during Fuck Authority. And I would go up higher and higher on the bigger and bigger stages and the bigger, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, speakers. And then I would jump and it really would hurt my back. And I filleted my back on this guy's head one time in, in L.A. And then about six months later, I did this, hit the same spot on this guy's head in, um, you know, coming down, you come down really fast and I always fly on my back. And so anyway, I, I broke it again. And then about two weeks later, my whole back exploded on stage and I went, went paralyzed. So it took me about a year. I took about a year off. That's why I didn't st- I stop singing Pennywise. It took about a year off and um, to get healthy. I called Jim, the old singer. Everyone else has bills. They had to keep touring. We had like a number one album. It was called um, All or Nothing. And, and I got to tour on it for two weeks. And then I got paralyzed. It was crazy. But I'm glad just to have be walking. I'm glad to take myself to the bathroom. You lose your health. You, you don't realize how, how that's everything, your health. That sounds pretty insane, man. It must have been a rough time. Are you feeling? I guess you must be feeling better now. You're up and about. You're walking and stuff. So yeah, it was rough, but you know, through everything bad comes something good. And uh, what I really got was a lot of, a lot of thankfulness and respect for for like a cup of coffee, and really to go to take yourself to take a piss with somebody else not helping you is a big deal in the morning. You know, we we get wrapped up in these little things like you know, money and girlfriend boyfriend problems and stuff like that. But when you can't walk. I mean, that's, that's a big thing, you know. And then, so now I have a new perspective on life. I'm more, more uh, appreciative of everything. It's, it's interesting how stuff like that can sharpen your perspective, like, quite considerably. And particularly as you're getting older. I mean, we're all getting older, do you know what I mean? But um, it must have been, I don't know, having now that you're sitting where you are and you're doing what you're doing, you're back with Ignite and stuff, it must be, like, real, you must be feeling quite charged now, I guess. Yeah, we just have a new album out, it's done. It's getting mixed right now, and so... In the end of the year, it should be out. I know you can be able to buy it for Christmas. They promised that, so people could buy it for Christmas. And then um, we're going to start start touring on in, in uh, next year, 2016. Awesome. So a few things I want to get through. So let's get through them. Um, first of all, it's actually quite daunting to interview you. Um, I say this because I fucking loved our darkest days, and that came out in 2006. Uh, that was a long time ago, yeah. <laughs> and. A lot of shit's happened in that time, as we've just discovered. So, like, to be sitting here talking to you is fucking... That's so cool. Because I don't... I don't think Ignite have ever played Glasgow before. Yeah, especially, did. You did, one. I have to make an amends, because I, I... I was drinking back then, so it was a long time ago. And I have... To, I was, um... I was, um... Got drunk at the Horseshoe Pub. Just around the corner, yeah. Is it around the corner? Yeah. I want to go there. Where, which, okay, I'll ask after the interview. Two blocks away. Okay. And, um... I went and played such a shit show. It was so bad. That I gotta... I gotta make amends to the people that, uh... <laughs> that got me the, the show. Uh, I have a have a weird question for you. If I find it daunting to talk to you just now, if you were to interview somebody that you would find daunting, who do you think that person would be? Um, uh, Paul Watson from Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. I know him, you know, but he's a he's a good friend of mine. But at the same time, I really respect him so much that it's always weird to talk to him because he's so smart. See, he's he's uh, he's he's just a really really intelligent guy, and he's very very quick. So your interview better be good if you can interview him. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys that'll that'll they'll cut you down if you don't know what you're talking about. So I like that. That's a good thing that you brought up Sea Shepherd because uh, one of the things that I love about Ignite's music is it's quite well 
passionate is definitely the word I'd use, but also quite politically active and socially aware. How did you get involved? I know you did the Pelican Rescue Team with your brother and stuff, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But how did you get involved and actually get involved with Sea Shepherds? Um, so I was working at... Um, at uh, hold on a second. Who shit their fucking pants? Who was that? Did not. Fucking somebody shit their pants. He's, he's eating sauce. Oh, my sauce. God. I can't smell that. I, I can't. You, you're in a tour bus with people, right? And it's like... You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a all the singers are weirdos. And yeah, I'm, I'm a singer. I'm a weirdo. I'm a fucking weirdo. And, and I, one thing in me, I just like my space. And I hate like when shit air. Like when some yeah. shits in the air. You know what I mean? It drives me crazy. Don't walk around the corner, man. If you walk around the corner, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, so uh, how did I get into it? Well, I was um, there. The communists in Hungary were destroying the environment, and we were little kids flying back and forth from LA to, to Europe, and and we would I would see that like the Russians would come in and dump all their nuclear waste into into Hungarian soil. The, my uncle uh, worked for this company. They'd have to dig these giant trenches, and then they'd have to leave, and then they would come back, and then. Um, They'd have to fill them up. There'd be something in there. They have to fill them up. And it turned out those things were like Russian nuclear waste, you know. And they'd come home. And you're like, what the fuck, man? They're just dumping all their nuclear waste and all their, you know, in Hungary and Romania and all these other places. So they wouldn't have to dump into Russia. And um, there was you couldn't say anything about the environment back then because you get you know killed. And so uh, when you go back to America, you, at least you had to say about some stuff that was going on and they're going to clear cut this one area and this company in Irvine called Irvine Company this giant um, um, developing company they're just super right wing like they're evil developers in California and they just uh, so we said fuck it we took them to court as little kids we saved them money we got this really shitty lawyer that was cheap and tried to take them to court to, to, to stop one of the last wild areas and where I was from Newport Beach and we lost and so at night we went in there and we started fucking up the machinery we started cutting, you know, clear cutting. The, uh, uh, we we started um, messing with the, the engines and all this other stuff. And uh, to make a long story short, we all got arrested. And the, off, the judge said, "You can you can work off this instead of go to jail because we were like 14, 15. And so um, I started working in this place called Pacific Wildlife. Started cleaning pelican shit and cleaning pelican cages. And this girl came in one day and she's like, "Yeah, you know, we're I'm in this organization called Sea Shepherds, and uh, we re we rammed the Japanese. And we sink we sunk all these boats, the Spanish illegal whalers and the Russian illegal whalers, and blah blah blah." I'm like, "Wow, these guys sound amazing. Totally punk rock." And that was 1984 when I got involved with them, and I've been a member of them since. Active member. So see that whole thing of like seeing that happen when you're younger. Do you think that kind of um, spurred on your sort of social and political conscience as sure. you get older yeah sure yeah you know get, getting to go back to America and live in America where it's complete capitalism and you're kind of free you know and then going to Hungary where you know in, in Hungary after 1956 wasn't as bad as many other countries but in, in Romania another communist country in Ceausescu if you sang these Hungarian songs in Transylvania it was all Hungarians and if you sang these Hungarian songs you get arrested that's why we did a place called home that song was illegal to sing in Romania you get arrested. So, um, yeah, it's fucking crazy. See how much, how little, um, how you can't travel. You know, there's a band called Omega. It was a Hungarian band, and and the Scorpions used to open up for them. And uh, the reason why Omega wasn't the Scorpions is because they couldn't travel, because the communists wouldn't want you to see how other people are living. You wouldn't come back. If it's so good, why don't you let people look around? They'll come back if it's that great. But you know, communism is is the idea. Idea is great. It's like Santa Claus. It's awesome. We're all going to work super hard, and then we're all going to share in the profits. Yeah, but that's that doesn't weigh. Inher people are inherently, you know, 
greedy and I don't want to work harder than somebody else and, and then get, share unless, you know, I'm trying to help them like nonprofit style or something. But if it's, you know, in a, in a country, in a big country, it's not going to work. And so the people in the, in the top make all the money. So they rape and pillage the environment. They rape and pillage the people. Uh, and all this suffering just for an ideology that one day, oh, the wall's down. Oh, we can't afford it anymore. It's a, communism was a big uh, 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 Ponzi scheme. That's what it was. <clears throat> the Russian, you know, look, look at the Russian, the, the whole Russian country. Up, oh, we, you know, Reagan's like, okay, let's let's push this military spending until we break them. Oh, we can't do it anymore. Okay, we're not communists anymore. Now we're capitalists. It's like, you know. Well, I think at the end when the Berlin Wall did fall, it just became chasing the mighty dollar like everyone else, but only even more exploitative. North Korea, all the top leaders, that North Korean leader has to keep everybody on the payroll. And all the money that comes in, there's two banks. There's, a North, there's the leaders' banks and then there's the people's banks. And the leaders' banks steal from the people's banks. And then they buy, have to go out and buy a certain amount of Mercedes Benzes and a certain amount of Rolex watches and stuff to keep all these generals happy. That's all it is. It's stealing from the people to give yourself. But you call yourself Robin Hood, but you're just fucking stealing from the people. It's a bigger thing that people are more aware of now in, like, you know, UK, America, that people are stealing from, you know, the little guy. Uh, so having that political conscience is obviously quite a powerful thing, especially when you tie it to punk rock music, which I, I think, in my opinion, has always been inherently political. Yeah. So one thing I was going to ask is one thing that fascinates me is how creativity and passion intersect with art, and it seems to be that you seem to combine the three. And if you add politics, then that's four different things. Does that political ethos powerfully drive a lot of, of the music that you make or is it just something that naturally happened or was that a conscious decision well we were writing the new album and you can only write about stuff that you know you know you can only write stuff that you believe in you know to that know itself be true and like even Justin Bieber like the reason why he's successful because he believes in it I don't like his music I don't like what he stands for I don't like anything about the guy but at least he believes his bullshit you know and then and what I um what I do is I write songs about what I know and what I've been through. That's why it's hard for an, a band. That first album is blood, sweat, and tears of all their lives, hard work, right? Second album is what's left over from that and a little bit of the edge. And the third album is really hard to make really good because now you got a lot of bands get you know popular and get famous and stuff, and life's not as hard. And the struggle, pain comes from when you're in pain, you write a lot, you know? So a lot of good music comes from pain. And so. You have to live for a little while and then write music. That's how I, I do it. Like, this album's about my family coming out to, to America from Hungary. Everyone's getting sick. My dad has Alzheimer's now, and I'm looking back at his life. He has Alzheimer's because he worked so hard in a machine shop that he, he, he was around all these cutting tools so that we could go to private schools, so we could have the American dream. And now he has Alzheimer's from, because of it. He's, he killed himself for us is pretty much what it is. So, um, you know, I wrote, there's a lot of stuff I, I wrote about on this new album that... It, that that I've I've you I went through or I've been through or something that touched me, you know, and a lot of it is about just like uh, you know as a man in a in America around the world, you know you got to provide for your family like my dad did, and it's fucking hard to get up at five thirty in the morning day in and day out, put that check on the table to your wife that might be busting your balls every day you don't know you know you, you always bust we always are, are tough on our fathers but we don't realize how fucking hard it is until you do it. Go to go have a dickhead boss that's ride your ass because you need the job because you got to pay the rent because your kids got to eat and they got to go to school, and then the, and then you're the bad guy, 
you know a lot of times dads are the bad guys you know and it's just uh, that, that was like this re- re- this re- um, I was just thinking back about my father's life and about how when I was 16 I didn't treat him that well you know I was like this punk asshole kid that was pretty much spoiled you know and he was this guy that came across the boat uneducated and went to work all day and the only thing he had in his toolbox was a hammer so all of his all of his you know in his emotional toolbox he had a hammer so all of his work looked the same right and he, he threw aggression at things because that's all he knew because that's how he had to survive fuck he came through World War Two, you know so as you look back I guess as you reflect on, on that whole part of your life I take it this new album must be quite close to your heart and like both personally and politically I would say yeah yeah there's a, the political stuff in there is just is this progress you know they say this is progress these cell phones are progress right yeah now people don't know how to talk to one another all you do is sit around it used to be backstage there was no internet and people used to fuck around because they were so bored they start we, and then you get to know each other you start talking to each other go out to lunch with each other now you just sit on your phone and you know it's like you masturbate on your phone all day uh, you know um, and, and, and it's oh my Facebook oh thumbs up like oh I went to go take a shit oh thumbs up that's great it's uh, it's what's it called it's um, uh, we celebrate the commonplace on these on these fucking phones you can be, just be this you don't have to do anything exceptional you don't have to go out of your way you just gotta go get a bean burrito at D- Del Taco and people are like wow that's fucking great right you have this stupid like little website of yourself called Facebook I can't stand it and it's uh, it, you know appears into people's lives, and I just I don't know if this is if if we have uh, um, pro- progressed in any way. How have we progressed? We have easier, better ways to kill each other now, where you don't even have to pull the trigger, you don't have to stab anybody. You can sit behind a joystick and bomb the shit out of people. The whole thing, it's just it just and it absolutely makes no sense. We have veered so far away from what we were originally intended to be as human beings I don't I don't know how this is going to play out but I know that technology now the the new cigarettes are are Wi-Fi te- our phones and the Wi-Fi because it's going to you have this phone against your head which is this giant watery melony thing in your brain and and maxillofacial cancer is through the roof and 10 or 15 years going to say yep yeah, it's because of cell phones I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the questions that I have here is um, about People about well, I'll go back to where it came from. I guess my last podcast interview with with a Scottish author called Ewan Morrison, and he wrote a book recently called Tales from the Mall. And Tales from the Mall is about the mall culture and the psychology behind that. But a lot of it's also about individuality, identity, and community. And when we were talking in our podcast interview, we were talking about this whole positivity positivity culture. That's liking things, you know, this tweeting shit. That's basically all trying to sort of be happy about everything all the time and thinking that we're engaged socially, politically, online when really we're not, we're not going out, we're not hitting the streets we're not volunteering, we're not going to demos we're not we're not fucking doing a single thing practically so it just makes me wonder with you saying that um, do you do you see that as being something that will just get worse or do you think that something will come ahead and something will change? Well it just washes over everything so you know every kid every kid gets a trophy, I don't believe that I believe you should only get the trophy whoever won the game. The guys who worked the hardest, the guys who worked the best together. And it's like, um, in America, everything's so politically correct that we just kind of, you know, it's funny, we'll, we'll so worry about other people's feelings while we drop bombs on tens of thousands of people, while we, you know, invest in these these horrible leaders that we put in place in different countries. You know what I mean? 
But at the same time, don't say anything bad about someone's skin color. Unless, you know what I mean? It's just, it's so crazy. Like, we are so afraid to show a nipple on TV in America. But at the same time, we're totally okay to bomb Iran again. Firebomb kids in their beds. You know, uh, uh, cluster bomb the middle of the city. But don't show a nipple. Don't say anything bad about somebody's skin color. Don't, you know, don't say anything that could be disrespectful to someone's feelings. Don't call them gay. You know, like, don't say anything like that. But it's cool to fucking destroy and catch the whole Middle East on fire. That's okay. That's okay. It's called shock and awe when we did it in Iran. Shock and awe is fucking murder, man. And then we send our, our troops over there to do Dick Cheney's bidding. And it, to me, it all comes from this whole culture of, oh, it's okay. Just be happy. Like, don't. Just be nice and vanilla. Because nice and vanilla is like a sheep. Nice and good. Just go go to the slaughterhouse. It's okay. Who do we look forward to in America? Kim Kardashian. She's the big... She's what we got to go for. Let's get rich as fast as we can. You know, let's, let's get, get, a, get a big ass and you'll get rich. There's a book called Candide. And it's by Voltaire. And it talks about tend your own garden. You, 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 we have no chance trying to like save this world but you you have this you, you could do your best in your own garden my garden is what i can do in hungary there's a we have this hungarian mayor at my town in has that in my opinion is one of the most corrupt he's like the saddam hussein of hungary for me and he is this corrupt evil man from from the uh, um, communist era and he's clear-cutting all the trees that my great-grandfather planted because that tree that he sells the trees or he gives the trees away for votes because hungarians are still like majority of them are still like oh my god you gave me something well that you're my best friend you know what i mean and so this guy's destroying my the environment and i'm like one of the, there's three of us in the whole town that are fighting this guy that's my purpose another purpose i have is to keep that little town in vetish has uh safe from this guy but i am I'm, I'm losing because he's really he's like a corrupt criminal in my opinion. And then at home in America, I have the pelicans and seals and stuff that I have to worry, worry about and make sure that my boat is secure and make sure my, my, the trucks that pull it are good and all that stuff. And then I have to worry about my family. And if I can do those three, I've already made a huge impact on this, on this world because my family aren't going to vote for war. My family aren't going to sell drugs. My family are not going to hurt other people because we all watch out for each other. We all tend our own garden. I think if everybody did that, that if you took responsibility for your fucking kid on the street, shouldn't be on the street. Even if he has mental issues, stay with him. Forget the name of this lady. She was in the 70s. She was a big rock star. And um, she was huge. And she got a, a, had a little girl that had mental uh, issues. And she stayed home with the kid and gave up her whole career. And that's where it's at, man. You know, when you have a family, you fucking, that's your number one priority. That's, like, that's basically like I was saying before we started the kind of work that I do. Is, yeah, you got all these kids. Yeah. Where, where, are your, where are your parents at? Parents is fucked up. Where are their parents? They're as fucked up as that. There's somebody in the chain there that didn't give a shit that said, you know, fuck you. I have, I have to go to work or I have to do this. You know what I mean? We're so selfish as human beings, you know, and um, yeah, I just, I just think that if, if this whole idea of like, oh, everything's great, be happy and stuff kind of washes over, everything's not great. Focus on this ugly shit. Because nobody wants to talk about bad stuff, ugly stuff. They talked about it in the 60s. They wrote about it in music in the 60s, and they stopped the fucking Vietnam War. Can't be done. But your lyrics have to write about it. Your TV shows have to write about it. And the powers that be will rather have Big Brother on TV 
than the news that's really going on. The news doesn't show what's going on anyway. So, I guess this probably comes back to the question of punk rock. It's okay to be angry, I guess, is what we're trying to say here. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay to be angry, and punk is very much the most powerful, one of the most powerful vessels in art generally for that. Um, and you have that voice, which you go on stage and do every single night. Does it ever occur to you that um, it could that that's a value, a very valuable thing that you're that you're doing night after night? trying to change people's minds and engage people yeah it's just I'm uh, with Ignite I don't hit a big a big enough audience so I'm going to try to start doing it in other ways because I, I watch Rise Against and they do it on stage and they play in front of stadiums that's how I heard about Sea Shepherds yeah. first the Rise, Rise Against and they heard yeah and they heard about through us yeah. Ra- Rise Against them, one of the most amazing bands because they talk about the same they're big rock stars and they talk about the same stuff as they did when they first started I just need a bigger platform to, to, to spread this message I'm using up too much carbon resources. And I'm going to play in front of a small crowd tonight, and I need to be in front of bigger and bigger crowds to do this. So what ways are you going to try? As you get any ideas on how you're going to do that? I'll start a metal band. That's awesome. In metal, in metal there's no, there's no um, message like this. In metal, there's a, I want everybody to fucking kill each other in the pit. You know, that's it. That's all you hear. Yeah, song silly lyrics and stuff I want to do metal but hard, but like hardcore lyrics and hardcore message that's probably the best way to do it especially given how big some metal bands are right fucking now like, like there's huge but punk bands aren't as big as they used to be but metal bands that's de- you're right man that's definitely where it's at just now and they're loyal and they'll do and if you ask if you, if you really get in with the metal guys and you ask them to join see they will and they're fucking loyal people I like metal you gonna take me to the Horseshoe Pub? yeah man definitely let's go check it out I'm gonna change my clothes is there anything else you want to say or anything you want to ask me before we finish? Um, last time we played in Glasgow and someone asked me if my mother sews. I said, what? Because, you know, the, the, the language is tough. He goes, does your mother sew? I said, I said what? He fucking headbutts me in the head so hard. I see him go, then stitch that one up or something like that. St- then have her stitch that up. <laughs> so I hope nobody headbutts me tonight. It's okay. I think you'll be fine. <laughs> Thank you very much for talking to me. I Glasgow it. kiss. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, as I said, pretty intense guy. I love hearing people talk about politics and I think politics is a very powerful thing and the way that it shapes people and moulds who they are and how they use that as a drive and passion in life I think is quite quite an inspiring thing to hear. I want to thank him for taking the time to talk to me. It was a pretty, pretty good chat. After we had the interview and as you probably guessed by the way the interview ended, we did indeed go to the Horseshoe Bar. And we just sat there and I I introduced him to the wonders of Iron Brew because he doesn't drink anymore. And that was pretty, it was also, it was pretty weird to be in this really old bar, which he remembers being in from years ago, where he last played in Glasgow and just sort of shooting the shit and talking about stuff, like what happened last time he was there and all that. So yeah, the show was really good and I think, I definitely do think he made amends for the last time they played Glasgow in the cat house. Afterwards, we had a little bit of a trek around Glasgow and I showed them some of the sights. He seemed to be quite happy to be doing that and I've never really been a tour guide before. I'm, I'm still not really particularly convinced I was a good tour guide, but he seemed to like it, so I guess can't really complain. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. I'm still... I'm still kind of struggling for words to really describe it. It was just a bizarre experience, which was great, but something I never ever thought I'd do. 
So, yeah. Thank you for listening. By the time you hear this, I'll be on my way to Heavy Fest, where I will see Ignite again, and also a bunch of other bands. I have some interviews lined up, so you can expect them to trickle down over the next couple of weeks. I've got a couple of cool episodes in mind for when I get there that I'm just going to hit you guys with, with no notice, so hopefully you'll enjoy them. So yeah, thanks for sticking around. Please check out the website, thecuratorpodcast.com, sign up for the newsletter. Hundreds of other information's there. So yeah, and I'm going to play you out with a song from Ignite's last album, Our Darkest Days. It's my favourite song on the record. It's also the last song on the record, so it's pretty cool to end it. This song is called Live For Better Days. Hope you enjoy. Until next time, bye-bye. Save it for tomorrow Just let me get some sleep in Let me remand I wasn't born a failure Tonight I feel we're sinking And I'm thinking once again So I say goodnight To dreams that won't be realized I can't sleep with desperation Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.